the Good Theological Thursday to everybody. I am James Crockett. He is Trey Clark. Once again, we thank you for joining us for another week, another discussion. Uh, we appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen and hopefully dialogue with us. We are pre-recording this episode um, a week before it's going to be released. So, uh, because next week, Dre, I've got VBS happening at our church, so I'm not going to have mornings available to record. Yes, and I will be, um, by the time everyone's listening to this, I will be um, in VBS too. And so we, and getting ready to go on a trip to Corpus Christi um, for our middle school mission trip. And then after that, I'm headed out to San Diego for my fourth honeymoon or my third anniversary, as other people call it. So, perfect. So, yeah, in the summer season. So. Yes, we are. We are in the summer season. So um, excited about VBS next week. I've actually got to play the Apostle Paul um, in the mornings. Uh, our theme is on Athens. And so they're having me be Paul. And I had to go through the script and the curriculum and found many errors. So I went ahead and corrected those. And and uh, we will. And ho- so hopefully it will be a little more accurate than what the script dictates. So but um, yeah, should be fun. But. Let's go ahead and dive into our weekly recommendations. Dre, start us off. Yeah, so um, as I mentioned last week, um, I uh, have done a talk at this point by the time I'm doing this. I did a talk on technology um, in the church, and so um, part of our VBS is we have some parents coming up, and we did some like breakout sessions uh, for them while their kids are at VBS. So my, my talk is on uh, technology, and so... Last week I recommended a book about it, but one of my favorite books on this is uh, called From the Garden to the City, um, and it's by John Dyer. Um, and this book is just um, a really good book. It's, it really is exploring the redeeming and corrupting power of technology. I highly recommend this book. Um, I want to read a quote to you real quick um, that really kind of talks about what, what John's getting at. Uh, John John is a guy who's worked um, in, in technology. I think he's worked on stuff with NASA and with all sorts of different things. Um, he does all of our programming um, at the seminary for websites. He's also the the creator of yallversion.com, which basically takes the Bible and takes all the second person plural pronouns and turns them into y'all, which is great. <laughs> um, he also does bestcommentaries.com, and so it's just a great resource if you're looking for um, biblical resources. So John is an incredible guy, but um, he writes in the book, he says, when technology has distracted us to the point that we no longer examine it, it gains the greatest opportunity to enslave us. Hmm. Um, and so this idea of, of, of the corrupting power and the redeeming power of technology um, and how all of our technology really is an attempt to overcome the effects of the fall. So he really takes a good theological perspective of technology, um, whereas my, the, the book I recommended last week was very practical. This one's a really good theological book um, if you're trying to think through the use of technology in your life and some of these questions that are coming up and you know the use of smart cars and AI and all these things that we're moving to in the future. Um, and how do, we, how do we use technology not to dictate our values and methods, but use it to... Um, for our good and, and realize where do we need to cut out some areas. So highly recommend From the Garden to the City by John Dyer. Excellent. Uh, so my recommendation this week, I was thinking about our topic on um, we're later going to be discussing like why do I seem to be punished for doing the right thing. And um, so we're really going to be getting into the idea of, <clears throat> you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Why, is, why do good people suffer? And so I was thinking about this topic, and I thought about a book that I've read uh, called The Insanity of God. Uh, this was a pretty well-known, um, top-selling book. It's 
written by Nip, Nick Ripkin. That's actually a pseudonym. That's not the guy's actual name who wrote it, but he uses a pseudonym. And basically, it is a book about this author who uh, does some mission work. It starts off, he does some mission work in Somalia, which, you know, I think in the early 90s, which. You know, Somalia has always been a rough place, but back in the 90s, that was it was a very war-torn country. A lot of suffering he saw there. Um, he comes back. He has a son that I, I think dies of a pretty serious illness, and he begins to ask the question of, hey, is this worth it? And so the rest of the book is him. He goes to different countries where uh, the church has been heavily persecuted, and he talks with Christians who have um, experienced some intense persecution and suffering for their faith and just the way they explain you know the faithfulness they show and really maybe even a deeper relationship with the lord and um how strong they are in their faith uh, really addresses kind of how how do these people view their relationship with god and um so the insanity of god by nick ripkin it's a really challenging um but really touching and compelling book so that's my recommendation mm, of the week really good really good um, well, so James, uh, kind of recapping last week, um, really kind of leads into today's discussion on, on kind of good and evil mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, really big discussion, but uh, but last week uh, we talked about is it possible for for me to know God's will? Really, so um, what was what was one thing that you really stuck out to you from that conversation um, that you really liked? Yeah, I think you know one of the big things we talked about is is if you're going to start in a conversation about knowing God's will is you need to understand God's overall purpose for mankind, for creation. And that is to bring honor and glory to himself. Uh, Another big thing we talked about is if you're going to really get into a discussion about God's will, Dre, I think I thought you brought up a pretty good point about being more concerned with the questions that scripture is attempting to answer before we start to address maybe our own questions that we bring into scripture, right? So it's not to say that our own questions aren't important and that God doesn't care about those. God, of course, cares about those. But I think you need to start with what is scripture actually addressing first before you can deal with, and one of the ways I tried to explain it was understanding God's will as explicitly stated in scripture before you can address God's will in areas of your life that aren't explicitly addressed in scripture. Um, yeah. So what about that was, you? That was my favorite thing too. Re, re, that was it. I mean, that quote that you had, I mean, that, that hits the nail on the head. There, there's an order to these things. Um, and whenever we, whenever we don't go through that order, I think we end up with idolatry. Whenever we, whenever we look, look at God through our lens, rather than try to look at God through his lens, you know, it, it's literally a backwards. It is the upside down of life. And mm. I think it just leads to, it leads to a, a, a massive confusion. It leads to terrible ideas, bad theology. Um, and I think it hurts people. Whenever you start going around saying, you know, the will of God and, and you're speaking through your your lenses and not not God's lenses, I think you actually can do more damage. Um, and so, yeah, we, we can go more to that uh, maybe on another episode as we kind of go through. But um, I think it was a good introductory episode. All of these topics um, that we go through, I mean, there's so much to it. And our whole purpose mm-hmm. really is to just start a conversation. Yeah. Um, and so feel free to disagree. Feel free to contemplate and think through these things. Uh, send us your responses um, on these ones because these are these are big things that we're talking about in 30 to 40 minutes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we know that these things, you know, you, you can't talk about everything. And all of them are really connected in some sense. And so... So we do encourage you to, if you have more questions or thoughts on it, um, yeah. reach out to us and and um, and thanks for joining the conversation with us. I thought it was a good conversation for last week, yeah, and yeah. Um, 
excited for this week. So, um, James, the question for this week um, is: Why do I seem to be punished for doing the right thing? Why? Why does? Why, whenever I try to do the right thing, why does not only does it seem that there's opposition, but why does it almost seem like things are working against me when I try to do the right thing? Shouldn't mm. it be the other way around? Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, so what we're getting into here is the question of this is a little bit of, you know, we will not obviously adequate. Like you said, Dre, we, we are really introducing conversation on some of these issues. So this this can go deeper into the problem of evil. And but really, we're going to kind of deal with it in the con. What we're really dealing with is maybe in the context of why do Christians suffer? Right. And so. Um, why is there, you know, when we do the right thing and, you know, uh, there is, I, I think we all have to acknowledge is that when we, when we are obedient to God, it doesn't mean that everything is happy go lucky. It doesn't mean that everything goes well in our life. We can be very obedient to God in many aspects of our life. And then yet we still experience suffering. I mean, the greatest example, I mean, you, you look at the disciples and you look at Paul, I mean, uh, of the, even just look at the disciples, all but one were martyred for their faith. Um, mm-hmm. So, like they experienced, they and you know, we would say they did the right thing, and we said they, they, um, but it seems were they punished for doing that? Paul, I mean, Paul experienced all sorts of suffering. He says, "I bear on my body the marks of the Lord Jesus." In other words, hey, I'm suffering for doing the right thing. And so, um, so this is kind of the question that we are addressing. And, and so maybe, Dre, another way to ask this is why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, this is, yeah. And this is something that I think believers and unbelievers would both ask. So how would you start to address this question? Yeah, uh, it is. It's a um, – sorry, I just realized my mic wasn't down over here. Let me put it back in front of me. Um, I, I think that this is a – I mean, this question really is the question. I think, and I think this is the elephant in the room of every conversation we're really going to have when it comes to theology. Is is the problem of this? Um, so I think one, you, what you were saying. I think we have to begin with um, Jesus Himself said, "Look at what they did to me. I'm the best among you." Right. Mm-hmm. So, so one, one, I'm going to start off saying um, I'm not a good person. Um, right. Like I'm, yeah. I'm not always doing the right things. Like I'm not always, um, making good choices. I always, I do have this mixed bag of selfish motives and pride that kind of sneak into all my conversations and all my actions. Um, but let's look at the guy who didn't, let's look at the guy who is, you know, Jesus, who we, who we say, I mean, this is, he was, he was perfect, right? He, he made no mistakes. He lived a sinless life. He knew no sin. Um, and look at what they did to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus says, if they did that to me, then what do you think they're going to do to you who, mm-hmm. you know, mess up a lot too? And so, um, so yeah, so I, you know, uh, we talked about God's will last week. And so I'd say, yeah, it is, it's God's will that, that, that we suffer, but we rejoice in it. Um, and so God, God has actually designed this system that when bad things happen to, to people who are good, it really is, um, it is an opportunity for us to rejoice and us to point back to God and, um, and, and, and have a moment, really an amazing moment to become more like our Savior. Yeah. Um, when, when, when bad things happen to us, uh, maybe in those moments, maybe just maybe in those moments that we are actually closer to Jesus and, and closer to exemplifying Jesus mm-hmm. than in the other times in our life. Um, I, I, don't, I haven't really thought that thought all the way through, but, um, but you know, Jesus is the lamb slayed before time. What does that mean? Um, yeah, you, know, yeah. maybe, maybe, you know, Jesus is uh, love. He is sacrifice. He is 
um, all these things. And then there's a day too. We know that the next coming of Jesus, we, we believe he comes back as, as, as king and, and victorious. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so there is there is something deeply um, connective to our faith um, whenever we do go through bad things um, as we are following Christ. There is something profoundly um, meaningful about that um, yeah. that really exemplifies an aspect of God. Um, yeah. So that's that's where I would that's where I want to start the conversation is bring it back to Jesus and say, um, he said that that he suffered. It's of course it's going to happen to us. Looking back at the martyrs of the faith, look back at the early church, look at what they went through, um, and realize mm-hmm. that this is this is a reality mm-hmm. um, to what it is, and then um, and then start there. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So let's start here. That suffering is the reality of a broken world, right? So. In the beginning, we read Genesis 1 and we read Genesis 2, and in the beginning, it was very good. So I would say at the point of creation, when when this world was created, suffering did not exist. Uh, it, it, another interesting discussion, I don't know if I want to go into this. You know, you could, you could <laughs> ask yourself, was it God's will that suffering ever existed? Um, and mm. so, um, yeah. you know, I, I think and, maybe – I'll take it. I take it one step further. Here's here's the new question that I thought of a couple of weeks ago that I've been kind of thinking through in my own time. Um, um, before the fall, was there pain? Yeah. Um, is pa- is pain part of God's plan too? Because you know we know in Revelation it says there is no more pain, but yet um, I was reading a book the other day by a really well known Christian author, and he was even saying like you know pain's a good thing. It keeps us from. Mm. Um, other stuff and, and I kept thinking like is pain good is is yeah. that the design for it um, anyway it's just yeah. another thought on what yeah, you're saying yeah. so we'll throw those questions out and I think those are more you could, <laughs> you could our listeners can think through those in their own time and maybe we'll return to some of those but so I think we can agree though that suffering maybe I would tie it tie it a little bit to brokenness a little bit mm-hmm. um yeah and so it exists because this world is broken and so suffering is the reality of a broken world um but dre i love how you started with you know just let's go straight to jesus right so i think uh, we we can get so focused on our own suffering and then we'll ask ourselves god why is this happening i did the right thing and like you said i think god sometimes i think it God could speak to us sometimes and be like, hey, look at what my son did. I I think the beauty of suffering and the doctrine of suffering is that God participated in suffering with us. Right. So this is Mm -hmm. this is what Jesus does. He he says, I see your suffering. I know it's a reality of a broken world, but I'm going to choose. Jesus didn't have to do it, but I'm going to choose to participate in your suffering and in. And, and Jesus participated in all the worst forms of suffering. And so I, I think we've got to first off realize that, yes, suffering is part of a broken world. It, and so it's the reality of a broken world. But then Jesus chose to participate in that. And then as a believer, if we want to fully reflect Christ, well, how do we do that? We follow him in every aspect. Well, what's one of the aspects of Christ's life? He suffered. Right. And so mm-hmm. Paul will say in Colossians, I am filling up what is lacking in the sufferings of Jesus. And really what Paul is getting at in that passage is not that somehow Jesus didn't suffer enough. What I think Paul is actually saying is there is a portion of suffering that God has allotted to his church that in that suffering, in suffering as Christ suffered, we become more and more like Jesus himself. So in that way, suffering somehow turns into a good thing because it's because it makes us more like Jesus. So um, 
Dre, maybe another question I would have here, and I think this might be something interesting for us to discuss. Um, maybe, I don't know, there's a, well, first up, before I ask this, is there anything else maybe you want to address based on what I just said? Uh, go ahead and ask your question. I got a couple things that I want to address, but go ahead and, go ahead and keep going where you keep okay. on the train of thought that you're yeah, on. Yeah, so my question is, is does God send suffering on his people? Is suffering just something that yeah. just happens that God just allows, or does God sometimes even send it um, to yeah. us? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's where I was uh, waiting for you to go. So mm-hmm. um, th- this may be um, this may be the point that I will that me and you may disagree on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a song that I, I literally a couple of Sundays ago I was um, helping with the worship team and they pulled out an oldie, um, uh, "Blessed Be the Name of the Lord." That's a yeah, you yeah. know song that I, gosh I've been playing that one for years um, and stuff and. And the the bridge of the song says, you know, you give and take away, mm-hmm. um, and and this comes out of out of Job, mm-hmm. um, and so there is a whenever you come to this question is God sends suffering upon His people, and, and even kind of your quote earlier of this idea of, um, you know, God God uh, allows suffering for our good. Um, I don't know if you meant to say it this way, but but I one verse that I think the church um, and that especially believers need to memorize and and, and contemplate on is Isaiah five twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaiah 520 says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put Mm. darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This idea of woe to those who call evil good. Um, One thing that I've learned in seminary that has been one of the most profound things I've learned is that what God calls an enemy, we never should call a friend. Um, Suffering, pain, evil, death, these things are the enemy. These things are not of God. Um, and so we should, we have to be very, very clear that we, whenever we're talking about, you know, suffering and things going on in the world, I think we have to be very clear that these are not, these are not good things. Yeah. Um, and so, um, I grew up in a tradition where, um, whenever you went through suffering, um, people quoted James at me that said, you know, rejoice in suffering for, you know, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you go through trials of many kinds. And those are true things. God's will is for me to rejoice in suffering, mm. but I, I know it is God's will to rejoice in suffering, but that doesn't make suffering good. That doesn't yeah. make these things good. Um, God oh, is yeah, able yeah. to, re- yeah, he's able to redeem that which is against him, but mm. he doesn't call evil good. He doesn't make it good. And so it's no longer evil. It's not like God allows suffering in my life. And because he has allowed it, it's no longer evil. Oh yeah, um, yeah. He yeah. redeems it. So, so I would be very, very, very clear. Um, and, I, and that's how I interpret even Job. You give and take away. Um, God is never um, the enactor. Mm-hmm. Um, God is always the allower. Um, in another way, mm-hmm. the image I like to use is that God um, has his hand over the world of grace. And, um, and God can choose to withhold his hand if he so desires and allow more badness to come in. But, but really, God is holding this world together with his grace. That's kind of a cliche. He's got the whole world in his hand. Um, but, and there are times in history where you see God removing his hand. And so you get things like the Holocaust. You get things like uh, the wars. You get things like the plagues. Um, mm. But I, I never, I never attribute that to God's action because I think that would go against what Isaiah is warning us. You know, woe to those who call evil good. Um, yeah. And so, so um, yeah, I think I think we have to start off being really clear that suffering is not a a tool that God is using in our lives to make us more like Him. Um, I think suffering is a result of evil that God redemptively comes and works within. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is he is not the one holding the hammer. He's not the one holding the gun. He's not the one enacting suffering upon our world. We're the ones that cause that. We're the ones back in Genesis yeah, that yeah. messed this thing up. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. Any thoughts on that? that, that yeah. that's, got, that's a big spiel of mine, so you, you kind of hit a, yeah. a rabbit, but what, what do you think of yeah. that? I think we've talked about this before, actually. Um, we but, might have. Who knows? Yeah, I think we maybe have. It. So the reason I brought this question up is actually something a buddy of mine and I were talking about earlier, and it was something he had talked about with his cousin. and um, So, yeah, this is a little complicated So because I, I would agree with you. I wouldn't say that suffering is a good thing. In other words, I would not say option one for God was, hey, that everyone suffers, you know, that suffering exists in the world. This is God didn't create it. And the reason I know this is because God didn't create a suffering world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you yeah. know, God created yeah. a world that was good. God created a world that was in perfect relationship with him. And again, I would like, well, like I said, suffering resulted uh, from sinfulness and I would not. I would not go as far as you would have some people who would maybe be deterministic and say, hey, that was the fact that Adam sin was preordained by God. I have serious problems with that because, like you said, Isaiah 5, you also look at, um, oh, I'm blanking on the other passage. Uh, is it James that says uh, basically that um, that God does not author yeah, yeah, yeah. James 1. Yeah, I'm yes, sorry. It's completely yes, blanked yeah. on that. Yeah, so he yeah. says, you know, that God is not the author of sin, but that sin yes. happens when we yeah. are led away of our own lust and, you mm-hmm. know, all this something that God does not author evil or, or yeah. sin. or So I would not say that God is the author of suffering, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, whether he sends it or allows it, that's a really fine line. And, yeah, I'll look mm-hmm. at you know I'll look at the example of Paul in yeah. um, when Paul talks about the thorn in his flesh, and that's you know how he prays to God that God would take away whatever this was, and there's a lot of debate on what this actually was. I think it was some sort of physical ailment. I've heard some people mm-hmm. try to say, well, it was just the Jews were a thorn in his side, and these people that were against him. I'm like. And that would be kind of a form of suffering, too. I don't actually think that's what it was. I think it was some sort of physical ailment that Paul was asking to be taken away. And so then the question becomes, and then Paul's conclusion is that God doesn't take it away. And the reason he says is because it is in my weakness that I understand God's strength. So somehow Paul is very, in some senses frustrated that it's not taken away but i think in some mm-hmm. senses grateful that it's not taken away because it's yep. drawn him it's made him more dependent on the strength of god so there you go there you go yeah it points so, forward it yeah. points somewhere yeah mm-hmm. and so we could get into a fine discussion on does did god allow that thorn in his flesh or did god send it um mm-hmm. and i i think yeah. i guess i would just go back to the reality of suffering is just a reality that God then I do like what you said that God redemptive redemptively uses um, yeah. to grow people. So this is you know this is James yes, one that yeah. that suffering and trials do come in our life, but God redemptively uses those things to make us more like Christ. Just as was it a good thing? Was it a moral act that the Romans and that the Jews killed Jesus? No, we would say that's the most immoral act in history, right? That an innocent man, yeah. completely yeah. innocent, was was murdered, right? Jesus yes. was murdered, so we're not going to call a, that. Not a good thing. Not yeah, a good that's thing. that's not a good thing. But God redemptively <laughs> yeah. uses that to yes. bring about the greatest redemption, the story of redemption and reconciliation that could ever be told. And so yeah. – um, 
so yeah, I guess that's a really fine line of does God send it or does God allow it? Um, yeah. and, and you know, you could argue in like with the case of Job and allowing Satan to um, mm-hmm. to do that, did God in essence send it? Which I would, yeah. I would not say that. I, I think there is a fine line yeah. between the two. But I guess that's my thoughts on that. And I, yeah, I, you know, this yeah. is something that's kind of come up. And I guess I got to even think through, especially the sending and allowing. I probably have to think mm-hmm. more through some of that because I think God does intentionally sometimes allow suffering into our life. Maybe there's yeah. an intentional allowance would maybe be a better way yeah. to say that. And, and I, I use I use the terms that God not only does He allow it, but He uses it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so so the question really is, is how is it that God can and will because He He promises us He will how can how can God and how will He use that which is bad to glorify Himself? That is. Mm. You know, so I, th- I think one that's maybe the better way to frame what's happening, um, rather than saying no, God's up here smiting people. Um, mm-hmm. No, because because God can. I mean, James is very clear: God cannot do evil. Do not tempt God. God God is not the author of this. This is not His doing. But yet, God created the creature to fall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so so really, my answer, I think our answer as the church has been: we don't know. We don't have enough information. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so th- this is what leads me to kind of the application of this is. Um, these questions, why do I seem to have to be punished for good things? Why do bad things happen to good people? Here's here's my response that um, at least where I'm at now, I'm still processing through a lot of this because this is big stuff. But um, I had a professor say once, um, he said he thinks that the question why is satanic. The hmm. question why is satanic. He says we don't get to know why. Um, and you said earlier, James, we say how. How how do we get through this? Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I whenever I go to hospital visits, which is a you know part of my you know weekly kind of routine with um, with working at a church, um, I have people. I don't know why. I mean, these godly men and women. I mean, you you wouldn't believe the people in the conversations I have. These godly men and women who are going through terrible terrible illnesses. I mean, I'm, most of my visits are in the ICU. Most of my visits are um, you know people at the the cancer center down here in Houston. Um, and and the the question is why and and we don't get to know why but what they really need to know is how how do I get through this mm-hmm. um, and so how how do people of faith respond here's how they've done it they say I know that God will do something mm-hmm. but when it is a pointing towards something better so the only um, kind of use some big words the only theodicy which a theodicy is a response to the problem of evil the only yeah. theodicy is eschatology mm-hmm. um, which is what what's going to happen and that's that's from Tim Keller Tim Keller um, yeah, says that yeah um, this idea that the only theodicy the only understanding of why this stuff happens is a pointing forward that, that there is going to come a day whenever God is going to make um, all this right that's what we look forward to and it's really hope um, it really is an aspect of of hope in our lives and so uh, whenever we're going through and we're being punished for the wrong things, um, I think what Jesus looked forward to, even whenever he's being beaten and killed, a terrible thing, um, what does he say? Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand what's going on because I know something that's going to happen. In fact, I've told people that three days from now, I'm going to come back yeah, to life, yeah. right? He, he looked forward to that. And I think that's how he gets through the cross because he had the joy set before him is the way scriptures talk mm. about it. Um, mm. He had a hope that was there. So I don't know why it happens. I really don't. Um, yeah. I, I, apparently, God must think to fall to get up is to be better than not to have fallen at all. That's my best answer. Yeah. Um, I don't think God sends it. I think he allows it. I think he 
uses it. He never calls what's bad good. Um, mm. But he does he does use it, and, and the way he uses it is for us to point forward and to rejoice at suffering, um, which doesn't make suffering good, but it does give us a hope and a longing for something more and a longing to get out of this enemy-occupied territory mm. um, or a longing to have the victory come, which is really the whole thrust of Christianity. We're looking forward. We're people who look forward to this second coming of Christ. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. A number of things to address even there. Um I guess I maybe want to nuance a little bit of you talk about your professor said that the question of why satanic I I think and maybe this maybe you and I would agree or disagree on this um, I think it's more I don't know if I would say it that way. Um, yeah, he, he, and he's saying it a little stronger to get the point across. He's saying it is the the idea of whenever you ask why, it's me wanting to play God. Um, well, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I would but, s- but like, why am I sick? Like, clearly that's not a satanic question. Like, well, well it's no, because no, no. You, you got and, a germ. <laughs> and I would even say, yeah. like, I don't. So often I've told people who are going through difficulty, I'm like, I tell them, hey, it's completely natural to wonder why. You know, my I have an uncle who. Uh, my mom's brother, at the age of 39, he had three boys who were kids, and he died of a sudden massive stroke. I don't think it was wrong to initially ask why. I think that's just a natural. I don't think God gets upset that like, hey, this is a. Oh sure. I, I think yeah. he's like that's a natural yeah. question. I think the problem yeah, might yeah. be when we dwell on why, right? Yes, when we don't, yeah. when we don't move forward. When from, we need when we, to know why. Yeah, yeah. When we don't move beyond the question of why, and then say, hey, yeah. no, this has happened, and how can I? You know the question of how do I be obedient during this time, or how do I get through this? How do I? There you go. How do I yeah. process and deal with this? So I, I do want to maybe specify yeah. that, but I do love what you talked about in the question of theodicy is eschatology, and, and so I want to give a specific example. Um, I think there's a specific passage that deals with this very thing, Psalm 73, right? So yeah. David. Yeah. David talks about, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm just going to read an excerpt, excerpt from this passage. Beginning of the passage, he talks about, you know, I'm basically following God. And then he goes on this long thing about all these people that aren't following God. They don't seem to, they seem to be happy. They seem, everything's going okay for me. Mm-hmm. They, they're oppressing me and there's nothing good happening to me. And so in verse 13, surely in vain, I have kept my heart pure and washed mm-hmm. my hands in innocence. For I have been stricken all day long and chastened every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. So David says, hey, it seems vain that I'm doing the right thing. Basically is yeah. what he's saying. I've been, yeah. stri- I'm stricken every day. I'm, I'm being, I'm chastened every morning. I'm punished. Like chastened is this idea of punished, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. David's asking this question. But then what's important is what he says next. In verse 16, when I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. Okay, this is troublesome. But verse 17, until until I came into the sanctuary of God, and this is key, then I perceived their end. So the way that David answered the question of why did bad things happen to good people is he said, I looked forward. And I saw that God will execute justice on those who mm-hmm. do evil, right? And yep. so this is the question of this is the hope that a believer has. In fact, this is what Paul deals with in First Thessalonians when he points when he points these believers to the day of the Lord, when he points these believers to the return 
of Jesus Christ. These are people yep. who are suffering, who are dealing with persecution. And he says, no, the answer to this is not to ask, why is this happening now? The answer to this is to actually look forward and to know yes, that yeah. you might be asking, why is God executing justice? The hope is that, no, he actually will one day execute justice. In other words, yeah. those who do evil will not get away with it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it is. It's just, it's just pointing forward. It is a and – I, and I think that, that answer is, okay, so what do we do in the meantime? Whenever this doesn't make sense – and I'll, I'll agree it doesn't make sense. Why, mm-hmm. why, why are these bad things happening? Why, why are some of the most godly people I know um, have these terrible afflictions and terrible things going in their lives? Um, you know, once again, for me to, for me to – you know, to ask that question, me to dwell on that question turns me into Job, you know, in, you know, in Job, whenever he does that, you know, God basically never gives him the answer, but just kind of says, yeah. were you there when I created this? Do you, you don't, you can't comprehend this. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and then at the cross, we finally get this idea of, yeah, let's look forward. There is something coming. There is, you know, the old Testament would say the day of the Lord. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we look forward to, and, and really it's, it's an exercise in trust. Mm-hmm. It's an exercise in, um, that, that our time is not necessarily now. Our time is coming. Mm. Um, and that is that has been the hope for the church is that our time is not now. Our time is coming. There is a day that's going to come. And and um, and you, you can't understand it it's until you until you put that perspective forward. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's really good stuff. And so I, I think, yeah, and I agree. You know, the, the, the why question, I think, just for us to dwell on that turns us into – um, it, it tries. We're just playing too much in God's court with things that we can't understand. But what we can understand is that um, there's going to come a day when um, when it will make sense. There's going to come a day when something will happen, um, yeah. and we and we and we trust God in the meantime, and we rejoice in our suffering because we know that what God has ahead of us is far better than what's behind us. We know that where we're going to, that things are going to get better. Um, mm. And not worse, not worse, and um, and we place our hope in that, and we rejoice in suffering. Um, but yeah, but yeah. it doesn't make the suffering good. It doesn't mean yeah. that I'm, it doesn't mean I'm at a funeral and I say they're in a better place right now, and oh, this is all great. You know, um, no, I think that we we don't we don't say well, you know, it's a good thing that they died because they're not suffering anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, I that's very insensitive, um, and and that's yeah. it was it's very upsetting. I think we've got to be really clear and say no, this is not God's plan. This is not what this is not God's intent. This is not what God created us for. Thank goodness a day is coming where he's going to make it all right, but that doesn't change yes. the reality that we're in it now. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't change the reality that God's using it now and God has allowed it now, um, but yeah. it doesn't make it good. It doesn't yeah. make it a good thing. Well, and I think this is why God allows us to grieve. Like I always tell yes. people, it's yeah. okay to grieve. It's okay to be upset because this isn't the way God designed it, right? And yep. so there yep. is a grief over – and really, if we get down to it, it's a grief over a broken world. In fact, yes. you know, Paul yes. talks about yeah. – Paul talks about in Romans that – Yeah, yeah. That Paul talks about in Romans that the creation is groaning. It is, yes. it is looking forward to this day of yep. – and Paul even says, I suppose – that the sufferings of this present life do not compare to the glory that is to come. So even in Romans, Paul says again, here's how I get through it. It's because the sufferings of this present life, there is a glory to come where this is this is going to be redeemed and made right. And that's how I get for because, hey, the suffering I endure now, though it is not good, it doesn't compare to the glory that will come. And so I guess maybe, Dre, if I would give a pastoral answer to this question mm-hmm. of how do I how do I deal with this? One, I would say, hey, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to be upset, right? Yes. Um, it's okay even to naturally have a question of why is this happening. I would sure. encourage then, hey, move on, move on from the why, 
and then ask God, God, I don't know why this is happening, but one, God, grow me through this, right? Teach me what you want to teach me. Use this terrible situation and redeem it in a way that you make me more like Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Be like Paul and say, Lord, in my weakness, I want to see your strength. And so turn your eyes Get your mind, mm-hmm. well, you know, move from the suffering you're faced. Focus on Jesus. Say, God, how are you yeah. going to do this? How are you going to work through this in me? And then place your hope in that, hey, it's not always going to be this way. That yeah. that the yeah. world is broken, but God, God's ultimate plan is to make it right and to restore yeah. us back to him and to, to eliminate that brokenness so that we might yeah. one day experience a world uh, experience, a time where there is no suffering, right? A time yeah. where we are yeah. perfectly in unity with God and that suffering at that point is gone. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so to kind of summarize this is repeat what you said, you know, whenever we seem to be punished for doing, doing the right thing, one, we realize that Jesus had the exact same thing happen to him and if we're followers of him then it should mm. be expected um and two that, that we are actually joining in with all creation in this groaning right mm. that um you know a lot of our christian perspective is that like we follow jesus and things get better um i think i think we follow jesus and we join in with the rest of creation that is groaning the fall and we are anticipating the hope mm. um and so we are actually we're actually deeply connected with god's story in those moments this is why i think the bible says rejoice mm-hmm. um you know whenever whenever you're in this joint the groanings are rejoicing groanings that it is not going to stay this way mm. um and so you get a reminder in those moments that um that, that something you almost kind of get pulled out of this lie of this reality that we're in whenever you go through this suffering whenever you're being punished for good things you almost get jarred out of this reality that oh wait this place isn't my home right now that this is enemy mm-hmm. territory it actually helps us focus on what's going on um, and then after that we don't ask why we move on past the why I like how you said that and we ask how and we mm-hmm. seek how we pray for how we we seek godly counsel on how and and we we look forward to how do I get through this and I think that whenever we start asking that how question, you'll realize that God is so gracious in those moments, Mm -hmm. um, that God will come and he will get you through this. It may not seem like it, but he will get you through this. And you may not know why it's happening, um, but if you turn to him, um, he'll he'll carry you through. And I think Mm -hmm. that's um, kind of the message. So great. Yeah. Yeah, I think that puts a good bow on it. Um, So let's wrap it. Let's wrap things up Uh, again. Thank you for joining in with us we would encourage you uh if you are listening on apple podcast or itunes spotify or google play and you have not followed or subscribed yet uh, we would ask you to go ahead and follow and subscribe uh, if you have a moment to rate and review the show uh, we would love to get your feedback on that uh maybe you have we, we threw out a lot of questions here maybe you have some follow-up questions to what we talked about we would encourage you to reach out to us um uh, some of you per- some of you listening personally know us you know uh dre i say we, you know hey if it's members of our church that are listening go ahead and text us and contact us we would love to talk more yeah. about it but um you know if uh maybe you don't know us personally but you still listen and you want to you have more questions please reach out to us you can contact us through facebook just look at up good theological thursday uh follow our page and contact us through there or you can email us at goodtheologicalthursday at gmail.com. We have one more episode next week, and that will kind of wrap up season one. Uh, and then we're going to take a month off after that. We'll take July off, but then we will come back again in August. So tune in next week for the final episode of our season. 
Uh, Dre, do you? But I, I think that's all I have to say. Dre, do you have anything else you need to add? No, that's it. Um, yeah, we're going to get ready, Garrett, for revamping season two. So if you've got ideas um, and some things you want us to talk about, start uh, sending those in, like James said. And until then, have a good Theological Thursday. See ya. See ya.